Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Reading Radio. I'm Jason. And I'm Laura. And this month we also have a special guest. I'm Heather. The love of my life is joining us this, this month for our book. The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Now, what did we know about this book? Well, you know, we don't have to jump right into the book. What do you got going on? Um, just got back from winter break, like, the beginning of this week. Lots of schoolwork going into. How's your NaNoWriMo project going? Not as well. I have not worked on it much, but I'm trying to. Are you still actively working yes, on it? Okay, so that's the important part. Keep moving. Five thousand words a week should be fine. It's only a thousand words a day. It's way less than you had to do for the month of November. That is less than I had to do for the month of November. How about you? Got anything exciting going on? Still working on coaching courses. I'm reading Brandon Sanderson's The Final Empire. It's the first of the Mistborn trilogy. Uh, only to realize halfway through that I'm pretty sure I read it already. It's starting to seem very familiar. <laughs> what about you? What do you have going on? Uh, current reads. I have Jane Austen's Persuasion. Habits of the Household that I cannot recall the author's name. And I'm dipping my feet in the crafting world to learn some new crochet techniques. I might arm everyone in the household with scarves and hats and cows, and then I'll have to move on to... Moo cows? Moo cows? No. <laughs> scarves without an end. Infinity uh, scarves. Infinity, Infinity scarves. You say, oh, cowl. Is that what you meant? Cowl. Like Batman wears a cowl. Like a cow. Yes, a cowl. Not a gonna, cow. Are you going to knit me a Batman cowl? Or crochet me a Batman cowl? I do not knit, but if you would like me to learn and add that to my challenge list for 2022... I would just be impressed if you did it. Uh, for a Batman cowl, or would you prefer a Jane from Firefly hat? Oh, I will always take the Jane hat. <laughs> oh, yes. All right, the Inheritance Games. What do we know about this book coming into it? That the front of the book was pretty. <laughs> okay. So I knew about it only because I checked Goodreads Best of 2021, their YA list, and the Hawthorne Legacy, the second in the series, was one of the top books. Yes. And so I said, hey, Laura, didn't you read this series already? And you said, yes. And I said, we should read this for the podcast because it sounds interesting. And that's kind of how we got here. Yeah, Just, I pretty think, much. That's how I remember it. So you've read both book one and book two. Yes. And I made you reread book one to make sure you didn't spoil anything. Yes. All right. Anxiously awaiting for book three in August of 2022. You are or she is? Well, I assume by mid-August I shall be able to read the second book in the series. So you I hope. I don't know. Laura said the second's not as good as the first. I'm tempted to wait and see if the third makes it up for it, or I'm just going to be happy with the first. The first was really good. We'll see, we'll see how we discuss that. <laughs> so overall, non-spoiler impressions. Um, you compared it a lot to Knives Out, and that's what most of the reviews like online have compared it to. Really, the summaries I've seen call it a Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. which it's almost like a post-Cinderella story to me because she she gets rich and then that's when the story starts, whereas Cinderella, it ends as soon as she becomes rich. So I know they call it like a Cinderella story is like that out of nowhere victory yeah. kind of story, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like I would call it a Cinderella story. I, and Knives Out, I guess I kind of get, but it's more the uh, thriller isn't the, the proper word. Because mystery. I, I think of blood and gore when I think thriller, but mystery is, is a good... It's a fun book. It's a quick read. It's a good book. I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, I think I read it in two days, which is fairly unusual. Well, I 
listen to it in two days. That makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. It was on Christmas break, and I could, like, lay down, put in my headphones, and just listen away. The first time I read it, I, like, read it nonstop, which got me in trouble because I wasn't doing my school. Oh, really? You were yelling at me because I was reading instead of doing math. That happens a lot. Correct. Algebra and inheritance games do not correlate. See, when you get hooked on a book, you get in trouble. I end up being way more productive. I'm like, honey, do you need me to go to the store? I'll go to the store. I'll go grocery shopping for you because I have a book I want to listen to. <laughs> and then he won't let me ride with you because you're like, I'm reading my book. Go away. Yeah, you can't come with me because you're not the same. Well, this one you could have because you'd already read the book yeah. and it wouldn't spoil it anything for you. But most of the time, I'm like, no, no, no. You haven't read this book with me. I need to read it. Okay, let's talk uh, age, range, and content for the Inheritance Games. Hmm. These were all over the board online, so I'll get you input first. Well, it's... I really really want to hear from you, Laura, because I don't think I would have noticed as much, except for Jason, you said a little bit about it, in the interactions that the main female character has with any of the boys. It kind of always gives the heart-skip-a-beat sweaty palm feel mm-hmm. which avery you can say her name by the way Let's which you. which makes me just wonder like if if you're a younger kid and reading it or you know your family read aloud are you even going to notice those moments say i was reading it f- the first time i read it i dad was ahead of me re- when we were reading it the second time he's like i'm surprised you picked this there was a lot more romance than you normally like And I went back to think about it, and I didn't remember afterwards a lot of, like, the romance scenes. So it didn't particularly stand out to you? Not really. But you said you tend to even skip over parts. Yeah, I definitely, like... If they start to get explicit. I do, like, skim over them. And I probably wouldn't have noticed, because I was reading it with the mindset of my daughter's reading this as well. Without spoiling anything, there are a few passionate kisses... Depending on where you put that on on your scale, there's the heart skip a beat kind of infatuation. And then there was the one scene in the bathroom, which was kind of weird. Well, yeah, that's where I was kind of talking about. Well, the one with the mom, not the kiss. Where she's in the bathtub with, like, the bubbles. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. But but I definitely don't think any of that, like, you use the word explicit, and I want to make up for that word by saying there's definitely nothing in, in my feels that I would put as explicit. Descriptive. Or passion, like... I don't think it's worse than other books we've done, but it's definitely higher up on the romance level than what we normally do. Yeah, it's more than Hunger Games because they never really get there. It's, you know, I don't know. I don't know what would be less than. But yeah, yeah explicit's just... probably the wrong word because explicit tends to mean something a little more than R-rated. This is just, I want to say explicit in the, not implicit, but explicit. They yeah. do mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about the feelings that are there, about the the passion and the lower abdominal feelings yeah, <laughs> that occur no, when it happens. That's a great way to describe it, is that it is, it's explicit. It's just using the direct words of what's happening instead of discreetly implying them behind right. closed doors. A lot of YA, especially more middle grade books, imply those things, but never explicitly say them. So yeah, I, that's the way I mean explicit. Yeah. And, and even then, again, pure innocence. Sure. No, like don't don't t- don't listen to this and then take it as as this is a dirty book a dirty book it's not not, not in the least it's only because this is our particular thing that we, we pay think attention about to. mornings of yeah because i'll re- i'll read books with language and not even notice except if i'm reading it specifically to think about the podcast because that doesn't bother me but there was a fair amount of language in the book there was especially max but that's all implicit or implicit language yeah 
So depends on if your kids already know the words, they'll know what she's talking about. If they don't, then or if they what do they say at the at the Ren Fair? If your kids get our jokes, that's not our problem. Yeah. It's something more like that. So age-wise, like, what, 13, 14? There was the drinking, too. There was quite a decent amount of that, if that's something. Well, but the adults were drinking. Um, Jamison was drinking quite a bit. He was drunk, yeah. like, three out of the four times she was in Oh, he's still in high school, isn't he? But he, I think he, yeah, he's definitely not drinking age. I think he's only 18. 17. You know what? I, I do remember thinking about that, and it, this is not an excuse for it at all. I definitely remember thinking... That because it's a rich family, yeah, it's much more normal, acceptable. Like wine is going to be at the dinner table, whereas like Joe Schmo's table, that's not going to happen at. And so it's a little bit more accessible. Not that that's. An I was okay. just like saying that as a warning, if that's sure something. That's fair. Because he is drunk or tipsy in a few scenes. All right, so give me your age range. What do you think? Maybe thirteen or fourteen. Okay. I was going to go lower. Now I'm questioning myself. I mean, I would say 11 and 12 if you're doing, like, the parent read-along thing. But I could be wrong. I'll split the difference and go 13. You go 13? Yeah. But only only because of those content things we've already said. And if your kid's beyond that and you think we're prudes, then fine. You're good. All right. Scale of 1 to 5. 1 being nobody should ever read this book. Why'd they waste the paper? 5 being everybody should be forced, if we believed in force, to read this book. Oh, my goodness. I think it would be a four, and it would have been higher if I would have known in the beginning it was more than one book. Oh, so you came in and got got sideswiped with the sequel thing. Yeah, because the second book wasn't out when I read it the first time. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know there was a second book. I even came out at the end and went, is there is there a second book? Because there has to be. I think if we would have left out, what is it, the epilogue that's at the end? I think just the last chapter or two. Yeah, like if, if I could have done that, I would have said four and a half. Like mm-hmm. if I could have just not had that. Okay, let's ask once we get into the spoiler zone what it was about those chapters. But okay, so you're going four, you're going four, mm-hmm. I'm going four as well. Oh. I think it was a pretty so- it was pretty solid read. Like I said, read it quickly. It was, I didn't have to think a ton. You asked me all the way through like, did you figure it out? Did you figure it out? Because I usually, with YA mysteries, they're usually easier to figure out because I have much more life experience than the target reader and I can figure these things out. I'm a little ashamed that I didn't figure it out, but I think it's because I was going so fast. Had I stopped to think about it, I definitely would have figured out where Chekhov's gun was. And we can talk about that in the spoiler zone. See, I did. I never figured that portion out. It was, it was something else that I figured out, but not... <laughs> Right. Not the ending. Well, I definitely did not figure it out at all because I don't typically think about it in mysteries. I like being surprised. Hmm. All right, we're going to head into the spoiler zone. If there's anything about this book you don't want spoiled, turn the podcast off, go read the book, come back and listen to us because now we're going to start talking about all the things that we just said we weren't going to talk about. What was it about the last two chapters that threw you or you didn't like? Well, I don't know that it threw me or that I didn't like. I was really content with the story and... I think maybe it was when I was in chapter three, I even came out to you guys in the kitchen because you had both gotten further than me. Alora had finished it. And I was like, so Tobias is the homeless guy, right? Yes, that's that's the moment I knew that it, that was true. You came out and said that and I went, holy crap, how did I not see that? <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was so early on that I put that together and... Well, because, and that's it. It was Chekhov's gun. It, they, you put, I, there's a part of me that felt they were doing it just to show how nice she is. Like, you wanted to set Avery up yeah. as being this sweetheart 
who loves the downtrodden. She's not going to be the evil stepsister when she gets the money. That's all that he was good for. And then when you said that, I went, oh, of course. Well, no. Like, for me, it was I thought that the grandfather, I thought that the grandfather Tobias knew that Tobias was still alive, and that's how he picked her. I hadn't gotten to any of the games or mysteries or any of that stuff. And I was like, oh, he picked her because he knew he she treated his son well. All right. Do you want, want to talk that or do you want to go back to the beginning of the book and come I think through? we should go back to the beginning. All right. Let's 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 go back to the beginning. So this book opens up. I'm trying to remember how it even started. Now. I think it starts off with her playing the chess game and buying him breakfast. And showing that interaction. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then she goes to school and you find, okay, she's the typical social outcast. And then gets in trouble for the test. But my question is, did she pass the test? So she, she, that's the only thing she cared about. She's like, she said, did she pass the test? Tell me she passed the test. And I, I, I don't honestly know at this point. And at this point, I don't think they're going to come back to it. <laughs> Maybe you need to, uh, to tweet the author and say, did, did she did pass, pass the, the test? test? <laughs> I meant to talk a little bit about the author because I, when I looked at her picture, she looks like she's got my my problem. She looks young, mm-hmm. right? She's baby face. And then so I looked at her profile. She's she graduated in her undergrad in like 2002 or something like that and then went and that was at Yale and then went to Cambridge Ooh. so yeah she's high end very very intelligent woman studied cognitive behavior um, or some and then some sort of psychology work and I'm like this plays into my idea that understanding psychology helps you write great characters mm-hmm. because one of the things that was that stood out to me about this book was she introduced four boys all incredibly unique I never had a problem telling them apart. Mm-hmm. And so often when there's multiple characters introduced like that... We get them mixed up. It's the, yeah, it's the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern problem. I don't know who's who or why I should care. But there's four boys. They're very unique. They all have their purpose as characters. She did a great job laying those out. Well, one of the questions that I asked Alora when I was just thinking about the book, and I didn't think too deeply to answer my own question, was do they fulfill the typical birth order descriptions? Mm-hmm. And I would say no. Like, Nash is not a typical firstborn. No, Grayson is. Grayson is the firstborn. I think just... Xander does seem like the baby, though. Yeah, yeah. He but definitely Na- seemed a bit more spoiled and out of it than the others. That's true. No. Not well, no, actually, I, I think because Xander was so, not Xander, Nash was so far ahead in age than the other ones. He had a little bit of that only child spoiled time. But he was also, he took the role of the protector. That's true. Because anytime there was a problem, he's like, do you need me to take care of it? I'll take care of it. I love the parts when he was like, so, you told your sister not going to school, right? Yeah. <laughs> totally the big brother and the Texan. Yeah, but like, Jameson acted more the baby than Xander. Totally. Well, like, but Jan- that's Jam- also middle child, though, wanting the attention. And Jameson's dealing with some post-traumatic stress. Mm. So there's a whole different issue there that having watched Emily die that he was dealing with and he was he was almost taking extra risks to punish himself. Yeah. Okay. For that in the short run. I could see that card. Yeah. So I don't know, what you what were your first impressions when the story started to open up and Grayson was in the office talking about the will? Did you assume she was getting everything? No. I definitely thought it was some sort of joke, like maybe she'd get a little bit, kinda of what she assumed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be like this distant, only because like in my family, I know there was an aunt 
who I think maybe she was literally the 12th person in line or something, but they could not find anyone else to fulfill it. And so maybe she was this person that was, you know, far on the line and got this minutiae portion, you know, this 186th of the inheritance. Right. But that's only because they didn't have a good will. You'd assume this guy had, which he did. He had a very explicit will. I am inspired. I want to redo our will now and put puzzles in it. Oh, (laughs) no. All of your money is in a lockbox. Figure out which one and what's the combination. Gosh. (laughs) You're going to get there and it's $10. That's all I had left. And I see that too. And the rights to reading radio. That's all you get. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dad. I think the interaction after she gets back from school um, with Libby and her boyfriend was interesting. Their relationship seemed interesting throughout the whole thing, honestly. Oh, that's something we might have called, should have called out in the context part. Oh. Because there is abuse, not only implied, but she comes back with a black eye. Uh, Oh, well. We missed it. We can always put it in the description. Yeah, so go ahead. Libby and Drake. Yeah, I forgot his name for a second. How she's baking and she's like, you went back, didn't you? Mm. And the way Avery was trying to take care of Libby, the same way Libby had taken care of her. I thought that was an interesting relationship throughout the whole time. Right. Well, because it's two kids. They have to each, like, almost take turns. Mm -hmm. Libby's older, but... Not by much, and doesn't definitely doesn't have the experience to be a mom to a teenager. That's just a hard road to hoe. What did you think? So we talked about going in. You figured she was getting something, right? Then, as they read stuff off, I started thinking of Knives Out, and it was like, oh, she's getting everything. See, it really didn't hit me until the end because because they were going through such a long list of like the caretakers of the land and to my security guard and. Yeah. I assume that there were so many more people to go. Right. Or that that he left it all to the foundation, you know, that the large remaining chunk was left to the foundation. Interesting that he cut the sisters out completely. Like, definitely a patriarchal thing. Like, he was going to leave everything to Tobias Jr., is what they assumed. And then Sky and I forget Sky's sister's name now, they had the conversation where, if I would have had boys, but you didn't. And then Sky has four boys, and I'm starting to wonder if they're like... You can do the in vitro fertilization where you spin to make sure you get the Y chromosomes to make sure you have boys. Like, she just seems like she would be that manipulative mm. that she might have done something like that. And that's why all the boys have different fathers and they never talk about them. Because she really might not know. They might have been donors. That's an interesting thought. That would be interesting. Yeah. Sometimes I get better, like, more interesting ideas than... <laughs> like, what was it? We talked to Margaret Peterson Haddix and I asked her if, like, somebody's death was, in, was actually an accident. She's like... I hadn't thought about that. But yes, it was just an accident. I'm like, oh, I thought oh I had a new story. <laughs> I, had, I had not considered. But I mean, I guess the way that that they brought those boys up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would be very curious the way Grandfather Tobias challenged and egged on his grandsons. Did he do that to his son? I assume he would have. Probably. You're trying to create a scion to take over and be a Hawthorne. There are things that are expected of you. You need to know how to handle things. So did he just kind of transfer that drive and push that he had in his son to his grandsons? Probably. Hmm? That's my assumption anyway. Yeah, that's what I would think. So we skipped over. Well, Max is one of my favorite characters, even though she's never (laughs) on screen. I like Max. (laughs) But her challenge back to Avery about that relationship being one-sided was really important. Because I think we all end up doing that occasionally to people. 
mm-hmm. when, especially when we're in need. And I think it's good to have, especially teenagers, see that and be like, oh, am I being on Avery right now and only taking advantage of my friend? But her dialogue was, was fun. <laughs> it was definitely. So she's... No, I feel like you guys would know exactly what I was trying to say if I did that. Right. Yeah, if I if I was Max's parent and heard her, I'd, you know, I'd remove the phone anyway because I'd be like, okay, we're, you know, I'm very much, it's a heart matter. I don't care how you try to say the word. You're trying to say it in a demeaning manner. That's the issue, not the word. So what would you do in that situation? Which situation? Um, getting the money. And then having to live in the house with the original. I feel like... That was the weird part. Honestly, that feels like a weird um, TLC show or something. (laughs) If you can survive in the house with the crazy family, you'll win. Yeah, something like that. I'd definitely be putting on some Kevlar. Yeah. That, I thought, might have been a red herring, too. How does she know she can trust Oren? Mm-hmm. He jumps up and defends her. Great. And he does a great job. But he could have been in on something all along and just lulled her into a false sense of security. I didn't consider that. Oh, I did. Because she instantly trusted him for no reason. And he, so far, seems like a great guy. And he's protected her, you know. But then he does use her as bait. Well, maybe because he was the only... Decent person in the room. Yeah, maybe. the only one who showed genuine concern. I mean, That's the, true. The boys were there, but I mean... They kind of had their own problems. Well, if I was the boys, I'd be furious. Mm-hmm. Like this... If any of the family... Like this woman just came out of nowhere. The girl came out of nowhere, and... Everything I thought I was going to have is now gone. Uh, my my heritage, my inheritance, whatever. And if I'm her, I'd be, I might have been trying to figure out a way to split the baby. Mm. Like, how do I make this right? Because that doesn't... It feels like I would have cheated. I definitely would have been trying to figure out the connection. Like, why me? Her, her constant question. She had an estranged father. Is my father related to this in some way? Did my mom know this guy? So at the end, when she remembers him, it's such a weird... Like, I want to see how they pulled that together in the second and third book. Well, see, it crossed my mind that Tobias Jr. was her father. Oh, no, she knows who her father is. Does she? Yeah, he's just... He's like, he's Libby's father. Like, no, different no. fathers. Oh, yeah, they have but the same mother's different fathers. But he's... Like, she knows, she's ident- she knows him by identity, but doesn't... Know him. Know him. He's mm. not involved in her life. My brain, kind of thing. My brain must have skipped... Over that. In portion. fact, didn't he make an appearance at the end or something? Did he make a caller or something? I'm trying to remember. I swore they had the same fathers because Libby was talking to him because he was trying to get the money from Avery. Because they, because th- him and Libby would have been the ones to get the money if she would have died, if she had received it. So I was right. Libby and Avery she the, share a dad, but not mom. Um, Ricky Grams is the, both their fathers. Oh, so we've had it backwards. Different yeah. moms. I don't think it really ever mentions Libby's mom. Just assume she's not around. Okay. All right. So what else was stand out? Discuss the puzzles or? I think it's interesting that from the beginning, Xander calls Avery the glass ballerina or the knife. Mm. Like laid out that she wasn't actually she was a, a player. Tool. Yeah. A part of the game. And she kind of kept denying that the whole time. And so Jamison started treating her like just a piece in the puzzle. But now it seems like she might be more. I don't know if I'd still define her as that glass ballerina. Yeah. Well, it required all five of them at the end. Right. So if she was the, air quotes, glass ballerina, she wouldn't have been necessary. It would have been the four boys. That's it. Maybe not. That may be the fact. She's a key. 
Like to solve the puzzle, you need her. That's the last piece of the puzzle. But then the last puzzle was hers. It wasn't the boys. Which one? The box. So all five of them oh, did have right. an envelope. In the end of the book, they're I mean, she's treated with equality in the fact that they each have a letter, she has the box. Well, probably because she helped keep Tobias Jr. alive. That's true. So, unless he disappears, the second book seems like it would be really short. If, the, if the, the story of the second book is finding him, she knows where he is. Unless she goes to the park and he's not there anymore, now you got to track him down. She has him in a house. Remember, that was the one thing that she, that's one of the first and only things she asked from the lawyer was, would you please give him housing? But did they ever come back and say they did it? Ooh. Because the lawyer should have known who he was when she saw him. Would the lawyer have ever have actually... Probably, she probably would have sent somebody. Well, no, I don't know. You have one client. You make sure that somebody important does the job. Yeah, but who takes priority there? Like, if, if Avery is saying, this is my one thing, are there past written rules to... I don't know, but you don't send an intern... To do that. That's true. You're, you send one of the partners to make sure that happens. True. So then does the partner recognize... Because she dated Nash? Yes. Mm -hmm. So she may, if she's that age, she may not ever have met Tobias. Yeah, that's true, also. I know. Allure's like... She has that look in her eye, like, since she's read the second book, she can't say anything about this particular topic. So we, yeah. can, we can move on. Okay, so let's talk Rebecca. She was interesting... I, I don't know what to think of her at all, truly. Because, like I asked Laura, my question still is, if she heard Skye and Drake saying that they were getting ready to go to the woods for Drake to try to shoot Avery, why on earth would she go to the woods to go home, knowing that he could still be out there? To have an alibi. But she didn't have an alibi, because she didn't make it home until after it was done. She was still a suspect as to somebody who could have done it. Until she ratted out that she heard somebody talking. Yeah, but that wasn't until... Like, the end. Yeah, much later. So I got worried about her when Avery was waiting in that room where they were trying to get all four of the boys back in, and then Rebecca appears at the top, and I'm like, oh gosh, she's gonna die. <laughs> well, and that's it. Like, I was like, oh, she was the one in the woods, and now she's gonna, you know, shut the door on this right. hole or whatever, and that's gonna be the end of it. I think she's just awkward and traumatized. She spent her life taking care of her sister because her sister was weak physically because of her heart. And so her parents made it clear that she was important and they had to take care of her. She had to defer to her a lot. So her whole life was bound around her. So she dies. Now this girl's heartbroken. She was socially awkward to begin with. She was never anything special, air quotes, in her own mind. So she's just dealing with that trauma. I mean, I maybe I'm taking this because now I know that the author studied psychology and I'm like <laughs> armchair psychologizing, but... Well, there is a lot of trauma going on all around. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a son that died and, well, you know, mother that died. And, and Libby and Avery are pretty messed up from their family yeah, situation. That's a, you know, that's and Emily clearly wasn't the best person either. Right. She was all sorts of cray. She was manipula <laughs> manipulative and nasty. That's why she wrote great characters. That, I think that insight in her studies helped her a, a lot to create these good characters. I'm curious... If one of her other, if I read one of her other series, if I you know feel the same way, or why this one's the big one versus the others, I mean I'm not keeping up on YA as much as I probably should, considering we do a podcast. <laughs> but what are the big ones that are coming around this year? Is it is why is this one at the top of the rankings? It does seem like a lot of more 
I don't can't remember what the term is. Dark mystery, things yeah, like that. Sure, dark mystery. One of the other big books that I saw public like being publicized a lot before it came out was the same kind of genre. Well, so maybe that's kind of where people people like mysteries and kids are getting more into them nowadays. Well, that could be, but I mean, also just the because of the psychological aspects of all of the characters, they were so well fleshed out that I can see why it's in the top top of yeah. the charts. Well, and it didn't. A lot of a lot of books go too long, and like I don't like like the Tolkien effect when people didn't have TVs and radio. There was so, that books was all you, were all you had, so mm-hmm. you write paragraphs and paragraphs on the leaf of the tree that's been around for a thousand years. And here's the history of the tree, the battles that it has seen, and like <laughs> J.R.R. I don't care, I just don't. Uh, and so YA is usually when I want to read something lighter, I go there because kids maybe don't have that attention. And so they don't spend a ton of time doing that. And this seemed like just enough to get me hooked in and understand context and keep moving with the action. Mm -hmm. She didn't have to fully describe and pen each of their psychological wounds or their thoughts because their actions spoke so loudly in how they behave. And so we're able to infer that because Mm -hmm. of the actions that they were taking. Yeah. Definitely very well written altogether. Yeah. I want to see if there's more to the gardener and his wife. I feel like they, they know more than they're letting on right now. Like, they'll be a bigger part in the next story. I don't know. They probably know where all the bodies are buried, figuratively. Figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't have worked for that family for that long and not know them. Really? Yeah. I mean, I didn't give them, I hate to say it, I didn't give them too much of a thought. Other than, again, they're just probably wounded good people that have been around this family for a long time and their granddaughter passed because of it. Maybe. Thea was also really interesting. Oh, the Um, cousin? Yeah. She kind of warned Avery from the start. These boys are all crazy. Yeah, it's moments like this that makes me really happy that you guys are homeschooled. Because all these girls that are going to this school are banana pants. (laughs) We have our own brand of crazy, but it's a different brand of crazy. (laughs) It's a brand of crazy that won't get you put in prison. <laughs> okay, what else do we want to talk about? Is there anything else? So we kind of talked about the ending already. I'm curious, which brother did you guys, was your favorite? Nash. You like Nash? I did. The mo- the motorcycle riding cowboy that just didn't care about all that nonsense. Like, he stayed out of the game. Xander. Yeah. Like he's, I like them both. <laughs> he's just the young puppy boy that, like was good with his grandfather, didn't care if he finished the game or not. Like, he was just there. But invested he's, in Bitcoin or whatever it is, and yeah. now he's a millionaire. He's his seems... goal in the beginning, his goal, though, was to get him to keep playing, though. He kind of kept egging them on to finish. Well, that's because his father, grandfather asked him to do. Yeah. Make sure the game gets played. So just good-hearted kid that was brilliant with all of his Rube Goldbergs. And, like... and now he was independently wealthy, so he didn't need to play the game. Mm-hmm. That was kind of fun. Yeah, I mean... I think if I would have been around Greason or Jameson, I'd have smacked both of them upside the head or something. Yeah, I wonder what probably. Jameson was like before Emily's death. Like, what what was he like before that happened? Was he still that bad? Maybe Grayson seemed like he was still a punk beforehand, but well, see, I mean, I think I think in a conversation with either Avery and Thea or Avery and Rebecca, you know, there's talk of what they were like, Jameson, before. yeah, of how you know did Emily ride in the car with you did emily cliff dive right. with you so i don't think that his personality was that different he was still the risk taker he was still the adventurous one maybe the drinking and the excessiveness wasn't there but i don't know that his personality altered too greatly fair enough 
I'm curious, will you guys read the second book? Probably will. I'm trying to get through my Goodreads challenge is like 36 books this year. And so often I'll I'm, I'll be looking for other books to get into. So I'll probably try the second one. I'll probably wait a little bit because I've done a lot of fiction so far. I need to get through some of my nonfiction. If I can ever get it from the library. Well, it was a, it was a popular book. Get I it on it, Audible. I had it on hold before it came out. And I still had to wait quite a bit for it. Right. Or somebody got you a Kindle for Christmas. Maybe you should just buy the ebook. They're unlimited. There's no limit on supply. Pay for it? Yes. <sighs> you see where I get it from. I know. You're both... Li- libraries are this beautiful blessing. I agree. I agree. I love our library, but I love it enough to not wait and let somebody else who, who can't afford to buy it. So if you haven't seen, by the time this drops, there's a survey on our website, reading-radio.com. We're asking for your help in figuring out our books. We want to build a community of literature lovers. And so this finally found a poll that allows you to add your own options and people can then vote for those options. Head over to reading-radio.com. You'll find that poll. Just click on it. Tell us what books we should be reading. If you're a YA author especially, put your book on the list. If it rises to the top because you share it with all your fans and have them vote, we'll read your book and review it. We're not big enough to make a huge difference, but you might sell a book or two and it doesn't hurt. (laughs) Our next book is Fahrenheit 451. $5 if you remember the author. It's not Kurt Vonnegut. (laughs) Not Kurt Vonnegut. It's Ray Bradbury. (laughs) I had it! No, you didn't. I did, too. No, you didn't. You look terrified. He stole five bucks from me. (laughs) So we tried to read this before. Uh, We were going on vacation somewhere and driving, listening to it, and I think we all fell asleep. Yeah. So we're going to try this again because it's a classic. We need to get another classic. Uh, And actually, it's the third highest on our old poll for books, so we are listening to our readers. Uh, the Odyssey was number one. I just don't have the time or the patience to read The Odyssey unless <laughs> we do that in September coming back and I have all summer to read it. That's true. That might work. But well, we also have to give a little kudos here to Alora with taking new college courses starting this month. That's it's true. probably hard to read The Odyssey while taking composition and Photoshop and all these other college courses. So, so. we'll take a little bit lighter book. This, this is February. February. Then that'll be March. We have two more book, two more books after that and our season's over and then we're closing out season four. It's been a long time we've been working on this thing. I started when I was like 12 and I'm about to be 16. Anything else you want to share? Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your input. Thanks for having me on. Nice to have you. All right. So next month, we're going to be reading Fahrenheit 451, written by Ray Bradbury. I hope you enjoyed Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. And until next time. Happy reading. Happy reading, everybody. Reading Radio is a podcast released under a Creative Commons 3.0 share-alike license. The music that you're now hearing is by Kevin McLeod of Income Tech, also released under a Creative Commons share-alike attribution license. It means you can use this show for any non-commercial purpose as long as you give us credit. All notes and anything else you'd want to find out about Reading Radio can be found at reading-radio.com. If you head over there, you can subscribe to this podcast as well as join our Facebook group where you can contribute to telling us what books you should read. Because Reading Radio is all about bringing families and friends together through a mutual love of young adult literature. And we'd love for you to join us. Happy reading. Happy reading.